Some of the topics we're talking about in today's episode may be sensitive for some listeners, so listener discretion is advised. There is a perfect example of motherhood out there. We've all felt its presence. It lingers in our social media feed, in the products we buy, the answers to the questions we research. Even though we know it's not real, we feel it spotlight what we could be doing better. Join two best friends as they step off the stage of motherhood and go behind the scenes with moms from different walks of life. The Mom Cult Podcast. Real moms, real talk, real tired. I am Sarah Parker Massey, and this is... I'm Joy Todd. And this is the Mom Cult Podcast. Welcome, everybody. We are here with our guest today, Alexis B. Paulson. A nurse practitioner and mom of two. Are you a Nashville native? I was born in Ohio. I lived there for two weeks. (laughs) Does that count? (laughs) Moving it to with a two-week-old. No, thank you. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like a jumping off point. Yeah. Right. I thought maybe you were, but you're, well, I mean, I moved here when I was about five, but I consider, always considered this home. I, I feel like I'm sure you do too, right? Yeah. It's always awkward when people are like, were you born here? And it's like, well, do well, I have to explain? <laughs> I'm really not ready to go into the details of that right now. But um, if you're asking if I'm a Nashville native, yes, I am. I guess, yeah. I guess you can say that. Yeah. Yeah. So grew up in Brentwood with Miss Joy Wise. That's right. You guys have known each other since third grade. Wow. 1993. A lot of wonder under that bridge. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, so many. Yeah. I can't believe we're still friends after (laughs) everything that happened in Miss Kenimer's class. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Eric was gone last week for a full week, which he did once. It's a a trip that he goes on every year. And having a two-year-old is just different. And I'm marveling at how in the first episode, I remember feeling like really together and like having like, wow, this, I'm just going to be like, really like positive, like (laughs) upbeat side of this. And then uh, just the vast, (laughs) vast difference in that day to today. Not like it's, you know, just a, yeah, not really a nosedive, but just it's different in the, uh, the highs and lows and and not that I'm in a low, even just the difference and mm-hmm. how together you feel, really. It's not like a bad or, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. that's where I'm at. So are you feeling together or not together because he's gone? <sighs> no, no, he's here. He's back. Okay. He's here. He's here now. Well, and also noticing how much space he creates, like his help and his presence, even if he did nothing and he does a lot, just the support and the all the things that he does and appreciating that. I mean, I, Honestly, I thought before, like, I'm not going to over talk those points, but like really just grateful. I guess that's good to do. Yeah, honestly, yeah. grateful for that and not together. Don't feel together. But I I also feel like how we've noted that things are so temporary in this whole gig of being a mom, mm-hmm. how temporary every single thing is. And so, like, I know I'm going to get back to a place where everything feels together. Right. Maybe it's going to be this afternoon. Right. And that's crazy, but good. And like just introspective good (laughs) you i'm fine i got to go on vacation two weeks ago so i'm like you know you get back in town and then the decline starts (laughs) happening so two weeks out of vacation i'm still i'm fine i came home to a very clean house because my mom cleans the house every time she's there that's amazing so i really have been trying to stay on top of that and just like every night like okay we're starting with a clean slate finally I'm just going to pick up a little bit here and there every night before bed and hopefully stay on top of the mess. I'm still on top of it as of today. That's huge. But again, yeah, temporary. No idea how long it'll last before it all avalanches again. I don't know if you know. What is the, like they say, how long does it take to create a habit? I can't remember what they say, but. Too long. See, it's two weeks. <laughs> I think it's like <laughs> two 60 weeks. days or something maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> how are you this week, Alexis? Um, pretty good. Optimistic. We have a lot going on right now with both kids, kind of. Kate just started a new school a couple weeks ago. Have you said their ages yet? Oh, sorry. Kate is three and Charlie is seven. Both Nashville natives. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So a little bit of background. Charlie was diagnosed with autism when he was three and um, has done really well. His psychologist has always said, if he's doing well in school, then that means he's doing well. When his teachers start reporting that he's having issues with things, then let me know and we'll mm-hmm. address them. And really, since he's been three, he's he's really done well in school and he's really smart and he's had friends and we can see signs of autism in him, but it's nothing that really hinders his life at all. But his teacher this year, especially after a year of being virtual, being back into school, I think was kind of a big transition for him. And I think the curriculum for virtual school was pretty relaxed. So, and we were very relaxed about it. So he's he's definitely was out of the routine of, right. of daily school. And so she has a few things that she was concerned about. And so we've been meeting with the school about what he needs and how we're going to achieve that. But then it's also kind of bringing up in us like, well, is this the right place for him? We're big public school advocates, but if we have the opportunity to seek additional care for him or or a different school setting that may be more conducive for him, mm-hmm. shouldn't we at least look into that? And so the past couple of weeks, we've been actively doing all of that, talking with his doctor, talking with his teachers, talking with our family, talking with friends. So this morning, even we had a tour at a school. Yeah. So like that's really what's kind of on the forefront of my mind and what we're kind of actively dealing with this week right right (laughs) is coming home happy but has expressed some frustration about school and how it's going and so we're trying to be open to his input as well my friend rita asked me the other day about when i was telling her about our school options and questions and exploration she was like well what does charlie think and i was like well i haven't really asked him about if he wants to go to another school or anything like that. But he does say that school is hard and it's it seems f- like it's frustrating for him. Mm-hmm. Paying attention, handwriting has been really hard for him. He can write legibly, but it takes him like twice as long. Yeah. And it's he falls into this really tricky gray area with schools, with public school especially, which is he's smart, he tests well, he gets good grades, and... He struggles. So it's like on paper, he looks good, but his teachers are acknowledging that he needs more support. Mm -hmm. So being able to advocate for him within the bureaucracy of the school process can be really exhausting and frustrating. And we've been through that before. When he was three, we got him evaluated by the schools after he got his diagnosis to see if he qualified for any services. And like I said, he didn't. It's just sort of been a watch and wait thing. And I've right. I've told Dave, my husband, you know, I've, I've always kind of been waiting for this, mm-hmm. this to happen. Right. Right. Like what age are we going yeah, to see this, some- Yeah. What age are we going to hear from school or from somewhere that he needs some help? And it's here. And so I'm I'm actually surprised that I'm emotionally handling that better than I thought I would, I guess. But Probably I think, compared to the last two years, this right. is a breeze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After having him home for a year and a half. Yeah. But from his birth. Yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted to yeah. talk a little bit about his birth story. Sure. I mean, I was just going to say from his birth. We've always sort of been in a holding watch and wait pattern with him just to see what what was going to present. Mm-hmm. And I mean, technically, you're like that with every kid, right. right? I was not prepared to be faced with that so early on, though. I had a really healthy, normal pregnancy, happy. I was so happy being pregnant. And so I felt so good. I think the first trimester, I was like nauseous, but never threw up and tired but do you like able being to go to pregnant work. in general I did with him okay with kate it was a lot harder of a pregnancy just with stomach stuff and mm-hmm. reflux and sleep disturbances and i had eczema i was really itchy like stuff like that yeah i got a sinus infection i felt like i was gonna die like i, I thought <laughs> i was having a stroke like my head hurts so bad but with charlie i was like healthy and felt great and exercised and took all the vitamins and did the yoga and, you know, really tried to do everything right. Like most first time moms do. And then we Not learn. the second time. No. <laughs> <laughs> then we learned. <laughs> we learned. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> Didn't do anything. <laughs> Still sucks. <laughs> 
but I, I probably reverted a little bit too far to that angle too with Kate because emotionally I did deal with, you know, doing everything right for the first pregnancy and then everything really went wrong for his delivery. I had planned a natural birth in the hospital with a midwife, had a doula. I went into labor three days after my due date in the middle of the night. It hit me really hard, really fast. Woke up and my contractions were three minutes apart, 30 seconds long. And I woke up and like you said, I'm a nurse practitioner and my my original specialty was women's health. So I have some understanding of normal. What to expect. Yeah, what Mm -hmm. to expect and maybe a little bit more than lay people, but also not, I was never a midwife, so I didn't have a lot of labor and delivery experience. But I kind of woke up in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh man, this is a rough labor, like right off the bat, I'm everything I've heard and read is that it'll you be ease into it. Yeah, yeah, very slow ease in. And I was like, Oh, okay, Whew, this is happening hard. <laughs> like, okay. So I call my doula and my midwife and they're both both like, you're probably dehydrated, like eat some food, get in the bath, see if it slows down. So I did that. And it didn't, it got stronger and heavier. And my doula made it over to the house. And she was like, Okay, um, you want to to go on in because <laughs> we had talked about laboring as long as right. possible at home to avoid you know excessive interventions so we we go on in and they check me and i think they said i was only three or four centimeters dilated when i got there and i was sort of like, okay, like how is this possible <laughs> okay great um well i'm just like in a state of constant contraction mm-hmm. so um how much longer <laughs> do i have to do that for if i'm only three or four centimeters and they put me on the monitor and they were like, he's he's a little less responsive than we would like to see. But again, you're probably dehydrated. We're going to start an IV. And I was so anti-intervention that even at that point, I was like, OK, but just a little tiny bit. <laughs> just a, <laughs> just like, a touch. I don't know why I was like trying to control that <laughs> in that moment. Like <laughs> incredible pain yeah. and like not being an expert, but I'm just like, well, I don't want to get. Well, I had this idea of, of what I wanted it had to <laughs> How I wanted it to go. So um, I think I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. So if you're going to give me an IV, I just want a drop. I'll compromise. (laughs) You can give me half a bag. I am in control of this situation. I swear. I swear I am. I am handling this and I need you guys to get on my birth plan. You've like clamped it off. Right. I'm like chewing it. Bring your own clamps. <laughs> so ridiculous. So they put me in a room and I'm on the monitor and I want to say I was in the room for 5 minutes ish and I felt the urge to push. Wow. And I was like, oh, "Well, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to control this again. <laughs> I can control this." <laughs> and like I said, they told me I was 3 to 4 centimeters. Like, why would I I wouldn't be pushing right now. And then the next contraction came and I just, your body, you know, just pushes. Mm -hmm. I just pushed and something came out and um, my doula was with me and she looked down and she said, oh, your bag of water came out, which can happen. So it was still intact. The bag hadn't ruptured. It was just the piece, uh, like the bottom part of the Mm -hmm. bag of water came out. So the monitor's going crazy. So the nurses come in, the midwife comes in and they're like, Okay, the baby's in distress. We're going to break the bag of water and hopefully that will kind of move him into a better position. So they break it. There's meconium, which isn't good. Isn't I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Is that their first bowel movement, mm-hmm. right? The baby's okay. bowel movement in the in the water. Right. And it just kind of sets them up for infection mm-hmm. and sometimes breathing issues right. if they breathe it in. Which is typically why they don't let you go past 2 weeks because yeah. that the, the fear is that They'll have their first bowel movement inside of you still. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. So they do that. And then the monitor kind of stabilizes. He looks he's looking better. I am like in La La Land trying to do my hypnobirthing techniques. Right. And trying not to focus on every crazy thing that's going on, but also listening in the back of my mind and trying to pay attention to what the doctors are telling Mm -hmm. each other and the nurses are saying over there and trying to manage my pain. So uh, with one of the urgent, the emergency OB team came in at that point and assessed me and they were like, 
yeah, monitor's not looking great. So as soon as, oh, and I think after they broke my bag of water, I dilated like up to eight. Wow. And um, so that was like between 3 a.m. in the morning to like 10 a.m. I went from whatever to eight. So it was was an abnormally fast labor. So they were like, you know, in in a little bit, you'll be complete. And then we're going to come back in and make sure delivery goes okay. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm breathing. Like <laughs> I'm trying to be on a different planet right now and not listen to <laughs> whatever your plan is. <laughs> you guys are whispering about back yeah. there. <laughs> and like in hindsight, I honestly feel kind of guilty that I wasn't thinking about the baby. I don't know if you guys had this with your labor and especially I think with drug-free, a drug-free labor is you're thinking so much about managing your pain and oh managing. God, there's nothing else. There's no space for yeah. another thought, at yeah. least that was my experience. Yeah. For sure. So you're just, I mean, you're just <laughs> focusing on survival. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, in hindsight, and pretty, I, I think pretty soon after, I felt pretty guilty that I wasn't really, I wasn't asking how the baby is, like, or do we need right. to be doing something different? I was just sort of, you know, in. Well, it wouldn't have, ma- I mean, it no. wouldn't have mattered. It would have added more stress on you True. than you needed true you need the mental yeah. stress on top of what your body's already physically trying to deal with true thank you you're welcome so glad you came in today thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> just never hear the end <laughs> so a little while later the monitors are going crazy the emergency team runs back in he's yeah the baby's just not doing well so they try to turn me over on my stomach to get on all fours that doesn't work and did they make you did were they you, ever make you what do position that? were you in most of the time? On my back. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't have be on your back. N- I mean, whatever position. I was like standing, mm. hovering over the bed, but on a stack of like four pillows. So mm-hmm. I was like standing and bent over. Mm-hmm. And I tried for like a split second to move to a different position, and I was like, "Oh no, no, I can't." Okay. I mean, if I had, we got to the birthing center just in time because if I was having to have the contractions I was having in the car. I don't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you do what you have to do, but <laughs> no, I couldn't. I, the thought of being on my back. Yeah. Well, the thought of getting on all fours from my back, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, look at me. You have to do it. You're going to do it. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, thank you. That's Again. not. No. It's <laughs> not something I do. Yeah. I appreciate the gesture, but uh, I'm going to pass. <laughs> have you thank read my you. birth plan? <laughs> Oh, no, I've got some extra copies. copies. <laughs> <laughs> get, get my bag. Get my bag. Um, Honey, Dave, 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 get my bag. <laughs> Dave, what are you doing? Get off your phone. Get off your phone, Dave. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, I feel guilt that I haven't commented, and also guilt oh. that well, I have um, I've only had one birth, and I had drugs, and so I felt I feel like I had drugs later than I should have. So I have guilt about that, and like mm. guilt about not even trying. So anyway, oh. I, I had drugs. Everybody, the first, either yeah, way you go. Drugs the first time, no drugs the second time. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and I had an elective C-section with Kate. So like, yeah, I've kind of experienced. And we're about to find out why. <laughs> After this message. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, okay, get on your all fours. Can't, he's not, no, it's not happening. So I wasn't completely dilated at that point, but he was doing poorly. So they were like, okay, we're going to try a forcep delivery. Do we have your consent to do forceps? Because he needs to come out. And I was like, yeah, just like end this. Like, I don't care. Just end this was really my only feeling mm-hmm. so they put these four steps up inside did you neither of you have that? no i can't remember no desire. you would remember i don't think <laughs> so <laughs> no well yeah <coughs> no and they have to ask your consent okay. to do it well especially no drugs yeah. plus forceps yeah mm-hmm. so the way i described it maybe this is tmi but um the way i described it to my father-in-law like <laughs> the same day of the birth was it felt like cold metal but it felt so foreign it felt I said it felt like car parts, mm. like someone was using like automotive tools or parts and putting them inside of my body mm-hmm. and then like trying to pull things out of my body. So that was really traumatic. They tried that four times <sighs> and then they said, OK, he's not he's not coming. So um, do we have your consent to do a C-section? And I was like, yes, end this, like <laughs> end this. So they said, okay, and they rolled me into the OR. I had to say bye to Dave. They had given me some drugs to numb the pain through my IV, 
So that actually felt like paralyzing. It was very bizarre. I can't remember what drug it was, but it felt like I couldn't feel anything in my whole body Mm -hmm. at all at that point. But it did take the pain away. So that was something I was able to breathe. So they took me into the OR. They put a mask on me. And then I realized, oh, you're putting me under. And the anesthesiologist said, yep. And that's like the last thing I remember. So I woke up with no baby in the same room where I labored. Okay, hmm. <laughs> it's been seven years, but I can still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave was there and uh, I don't remember my first thoughts. I just remember waking up and and I, I, I think the only thing I remember about my first thoughts were they weren't about where's the baby actually like I don't know why it just wasn't my first thought it was sort of like okay like what happened and where am I and what's going on and then I, I think I remember Dave saying like the, he's okay Charlie's okay he's in the NICU and we'll get to see him soon so they came in and said you know he's in the NICU we've got him stabilized he's doing okay and as soon as you're stable you can go and see him and I was like I'm stable <laughs> I'm ready. Like, I'm stable. Let's go. And they're like, well, let's give you like an hour or two to let the anesthesia wear off and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I made it like 15 minutes and I was <laughs> like, no, get me a chair. Like, we're going. So we go down and into the NICU. And the other thing that really haunts me about that moment was I didn't recognize him. I didn't know which one he was. <laughs> you know how how would you but you you kind of expect to walk into a room and recognize your your kid and or to have the moment where they're on your chest you don't have to even try to find them right yeah Yeah. it's just yeah they're there you're meeting them and yeah they're they're with you they were never gone thank you um so they had to show me which one he was and so he had had a they call a hypoxic brain injury, meaning he was without oxygen for a good amount of time. So he came out pretty blue and um, had to be resuscitated. And in order to prevent additional brain injury, swelling, inflammation, the best thing that they've found for kids in that situation is full body cooling. So when I was in nursing school, I remember being in ICUs and for people who had had head injuries, we would do cooling for them too. But they had figured out that it, it works really well in babies too. And that was just like in the past, like in the first maybe five years before he was born, like that technology or that research had really proven mm-hmm. the benefits of, of that treatment. So anyway, so when I see him, when they took me over to him, he was naked to be cooled. They they drop. They only drop their temperature. I think oh, I should have looked this up. Three or four degrees. Like it's a pretty subtle drop, but they can't have clothes on, and they have to be on this little blanket that keeps their whole body cold. <sighs> he had tubes everywhere, and the rest of that day is really a blur. That's really kind of all I remember. The next day, I asked Dave if the if the doctor was ever going to come talk to me about what happened in the birth and he said he spent an hour with you yesterday and i have no no memory of that and it could have been the drugs or just shock but yeah so you know i on top of everything i had to kind of grieve for what i thought was going to be such a glorious perfect you know best day of my life and Mm -hmm. it was really like the worst and i don't even remember half of it and the other thing about them being cooled is you can't hold them. So for three days, he was cooled for three days. And um, so I was trying to pump milk and that was really hard and not working. Um, I got discharged from the hospital and I didn't want to leave. So they let me stay in like one of their like traveling family rooms mm-hmm. on the floor for one night and then the next night they needed it for an actual traveling family so dave and i spent the night in a hotel one night nearby just because even though we lived 15 20 minutes away we just couldn't leave we just Mm -hmm. really wanted to be close to him and then i think on the fifth or sixth night 
we were able to get a family room at the hospital. So it was on the NICU, which was amazing. So you get to be in a you get to sleep in a room with the baby. And at that point, I was able to hold him and nurse him and bathe him and do baby stuff. But he was still hooked up to a lot of a lot of machines, and we were still watching him like a hawk. And they were monitoring largely his uh, reflexes because that kind of gives you an idea of how much brain damage there is. And he had most of his reflexes, um, but the big one that was most concerning was his gag reflex, because if you don't have a gag reflex, then you can't swallow food because you might aspirate it. I think it was like day four or five that he finally presented with that. Mm -hmm. And we were just like over the moon. So relieved. Yes, it was such a relief to to get that because then we could actually give him breast milk too, Mm -hmm. which was a huge deal for me. So anyway, he was in the NICU for nine days. And then I think on the eighth day, they did like a brain MRI. And the MRI, they said, looked pretty good. And that's sort of like kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It's kind of what we've been told about Charlie in every situation is he looks pretty good, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is great. You know, it's what you want to hear. But then there's also like, well, what's the pretty part? Like, (laughs) what's the what's the part you're worried about? So then we got to take him home and he was, for all intents and purposes, like a very normal, healthy baby, except he was extremely colicky. Joy probably remembers Mm -hmm. how difficult his first, I mean, year was of dealing with his colic and fussiness and had a lot of sensory needs, needed like pitch black room, like white noise and on 10, Mm -hmm. full motion, full body movement to sleep. Um, I remember coming over to Joy's house for one of her generous mom gatherings with other moms with babies about the same. I mean, they were all within a month or two of each other. Mm -hmm. And they were all just like, they were probably what six months old or something. And they were all just happily like laying around on the floor and (laughs) cooing and Like I've chosen the wrong group of mom friends. (laughs) And I will never forget, like I'm standing with, like my carrier with Charlie in my carrier and he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm like trying to nurse him in the carrier and I'm just sweating mm-hmm. bullets while everyone else is just sitting on the couch. <laughs> it's like, like that's fine. <laughs> like good. I'm, I'm happy so happy for you guys, for you guys, but <laughs> this baby has not let me sit on the couch Ugh. in six months. Yeah. And I shouldn't, blame him but um yeah it was just such a stark whenever i was around other babies and other moms it was it was stark to me and um so that was another like hard part to process isolated yeah Mm -hmm. even when we were with other people still feeling isolated yeah super hard yeah so because of his diagnosis he was in a lot of evaluations and was eligible for free services through the state i think shannon was mentioning teis on one of your prior episodes, but Mm -hmm. how the state basically pays for any kids under three with any sort of disability. Um, They pay for their evaluations and and treatment. So OT, PT, speech, stuff like that. And his his diagnosis qualified him for that, which is great and such a blessing, I'm sure, for, you know, thousands and thousands of people. It was such a burden for us. It was so exhausting. Like having to take him to all these appointments. Weekly I mean, more than once a week, he would have these appointments and he'd have appointments. And then his doctor would recommend, you know, another mm, doctor right. and a specialist yes, in this department. Yes. And yes, you're getting that OT through the state, but let's also see this other OT through this clinic. And it, I mean, it was every week and Dave and I are working full time. And so um, we're de- re- depending on family to and coordinating all these times and and the whole time them saying, looks pretty good. looks pretty good. (sighs) And you're just like, okay, well, um, how many more of these appointments do we need to do? I mean, we want to do them if if it's helpful, but like it's not, we're not seeing, you know, if it's helpful. You tell us if this is helpful. We don't know. This is our first baby. We don't have any comparison. Mm -hmm. We don't know like if he's doing things at a developmentally normal uh, time frame or it, it was just a very lost and confusing and guilt-ridden time, too, because then you're like, well, this is a real 
struggle for us to to get him into all this stuff and right make if, all of these but if we don't take him to these appointments oh then God. we're gonna live with the guilt of, of like course. we should have put yeah. more effort into doing yeah, that exactly yeah. so yeah there was just a lot of that and then the whole time i was also really dealing with PTSD from his birth. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I asked for a site consult while I was in the hospital. They sent a lady who didn't know what, they sent a, a psychologist who didn't know what meds that I could, I could take because I was breastfeeding. And she was like, well, you can, we'll set you up with this other psychologist who specializes in pregnancy and breastfeeding. He can see you in six weeks. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. And I've been on SSRIs like on and off my whole life. Yeah. Like I'm. What does no that stand for? Um, serotonin, selective Select, serotonin yeah. reuptake inhibitors. So okay. Prozac, Celexa, Fluoxetine. Let's play a game. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the listeners I'll are SSRI bingo. <laughs> <laughs> if you've taken it, <laughs> I've taken. About all of them, I think. Um, so I'm like, I'm very pro medicine. I am pro therapy. And, you know, I was basically just like, give me, give me everything I need. Like, Same. tell me what I need. I'll do it. I'll take it. Yeah, there just wasn't a good setup for, in my opinion, for moms who had traumatic births in the healthcare setting where I was. You know, there's so much focus on postpartum depression mm -hmm. and now even peripartum depression so like during pregnancy but the actual traumatic birth thing really seems to kind of be neglected in terms of care. resources and mm -hmm. care yeah so and then I saw that guy too at six weeks and he was terrible mm. and he was like well you can take this antipsychotic drug it's the, really the only thing you can take while you're breastfeeding and I was like then tell me to stop breastfeeding like right. I'll do whatever right. I gotta do just I, I need to be able to function I need to be able to sleep I need to be able to work and I need to yeah have my wits about me and not feel like like I'm sinking mm -hmm. like a sinking ship so yeah the hormone fluctuations of postpartum plus that traumatic event and and I'm really lucky to say it was honestly like the first really traumatic event of my life so I had no blueprint or framework for how to ask for help or um, right, to even know how you process it. trauma yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. How did you know to ask for help that day? Did you, because of your medical background, you were like sending a therapist? I think I was like, this was terrible. Right. I, I'm going to, and I have a history of depression and anxiety. I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to need mm -hmm. help. That was really what it was yeah just knowing my history and and also dealing with um, shouldn't say dealing with but coping with having a newborn who's sick those first few weeks and not knowing i mean what they pretty much told us when we left was we'll watch and wait we'll see see how he does and for someone like me who's a planner and type a and needs to know What's going to happen? When? How? Where? What do I need to do? What does he need? You know, that was like the worst thing mm -hmm. anyone could tell me was, we'll, we'll see how he does in a month and then we'll check him again in another month and we'll just, we'll see how he does. And I'm like, what do you mean how he does? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. And that's what they told us. So, yeah, living with that anxiety, living with, yeah, the fear for what could. Oh. <gasps> Sarah. Wow. wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Good thing that was alarm. Does that help? <laughs> Good thing wow. it wasn't while Alexis was actually crying. <laughs> I thought that earlier. I thought turn off the alarms. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> Those are to keep me on schedule. Anyway, go on. That's what alarms are. It's amazing to me. <laughs> and even the second time around was equally amazing to me. The fact that we feel the need to be given permission to stop breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's giving the permission. Mm -hmm. It almost doesn't even matter who gives it to us. Mm -hmm. We just need, and I needed more than one person. Like mm -hmm. my mom kept trying to do it. She mm -hmm. kept being like, Joy. Stop. This is, it doesn't, it, it's You're, not a big deal. She was like, yeah. when I was having kids, formula was like the best. It was sold right. as the best thing you could do for your babies. Right. Like people who breastfed, they only breastfed because <laughs> they were poor. Right. Like 
<laughs> she's like, it, it's so different now, but yeah. also it doesn't matter. Yeah, but then you roll and your eyes like, at your mom. Uh, I know you're saying that, but like, yeah. I need who else? Anybody else? Can anybody else tell me? <laughs> totally. Dave tried to oh, get me to stop. I mean, he was so supportive and watched all those pump parts, you know, endlessly. But he was like, you're not. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I was pumping in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. trying to keep my supply up and feeding and then pumping to try to get my supply up. And then went, you know, went back to work and that made it even worse. Yeah. And I remember going to my doctor, just like my family or my, you know, my internist about 11 months in. And she kind of looked at me and she's like, how's it going? And I was like, uh, uh, pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good yeah and and she was like you know how are you sleeping and i was like well um the baby doesn't sleep per se and i'm up th- two or three times a night pumping she's like you're pumping you're still breastfeeding and she knew i was back to work and i was like yeah i mean i was trying to make it at least a year you know and she's like alexis <laughs> Oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> I'm you about to change your world. <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> Actually, don't. she was like, I want you to stop. Like, that's not enough sleep. Like, you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. be a good mom if you're not taking care of yourself. And, you know, that's what the baby needs more than your milk is you being awake and present and feeling like yourself. And, and feeling, loving the baby, yes. not resenting the baby. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And I was like... Oh, okay. That sounds good. That sounds like a good reason to stop. I really like, I like that you. idea. I like that. I like you. <laughs> Can I see you again tomorrow? <laughs> Can you say that again into my phone? <laughs> That's my ring. My, my, new, my, affirm- my new affirmation. <laughs> That's your alarm. <laughs> but it was such a gift for mm-hmm. her to say that. And then an, I, this is kind of a sidebar, but another gift, I think we've talked about this, another gift that a coworker gave me when I was still pregnant with with Charlie. She was like, you will, at some point, you will want to shake the baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, you won't. 100%. You won't do it, but they will wake you up in the middle of the night one night and not get back to sleep and you will want to shake it. Mm-hmm. And that is normal. And you're not going to do it. Don't worry. You, you know not to, to hurt your kid. But, but don't feel guilty for, for when you think for it, thinking. <laughs> you think of me and know that I I thought that too. And she's a, you know, respected member of, of my workplace. And, and I respected her a lot. And and sure enough, I had that moment in the middle of the night one night, especially with a colicky. I mean, probably mm-hmm. millions like, of times. Shut up. Shut Just shut up. up. I've done everything yeah. I can for you. Yeah. Please, please shut up. And... Yeah, you just feel like you're at the end of your rope. And in that moment, you kind of, I I really understood why moms. Why it happens. Yeah, hurt their kids. I am moved that you said that. Mm-hmm. I thought, I just have had that same thought and I've never thought to, not, I can't even say it. No, I so know. So you're, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. I know. I'm, I am. Um, <laughs> no, keep going. Okay. No, I can't. I can't. I literally can't. I'm not even brave enough to say the whole the, thing or don't even know how to verbalize it. I know. Her pacifier will be in my mouth. Like, you know, because it's on mm-hmm. the floor. It's under the crib. It's like covered in dust in the corner that I can't can't reach with my hand and it's pitch black. And I'm like, well, I can't turn any light on to find whatever. <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> the pacifier will be in my mouth, like, because I'll be cleaning it off before I give it back to her. And I will bite down on it so hard. When I'm so angry, like when I want to be squeezing yes. <laughs> a child, I will just bite down on that pacifier. And I'm like, I'm so surprised I haven't like broken through it yeah. yet. Those things are strong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> be surprised. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I've, and I've told so many pregnant, first time pregnant moms that, that that is normal. It's not unhealthy unless you act on it. It's, it's just a part of sleep deprivation and hormonal fluctuations and i think well, being just pushed being, being pushed to, to an, such an extreme that you have never been pushed to before mentally physically never. or emotionally all at the exact same time yes i know that i would i would never act on it but i totally it totally made sense it, and when she told me that when i was pregnant i was like okay whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay come on yeah <laughs> can't be that bad yeah but, but motherhood is so beautiful yeah, yeah. And, and babies are so wonderful. Why yeah. could you? How could anyone? Yeah. And then it's the middle of the night and 
for the 600th night in a row and you're mm-hmm. just like okay i get it yeah i think with ava the first time i didn't have the, i still felt like not that i couldn't ask for help but almost like this competition with myself of like going out of my way to not ask for help mm-hmm. and with penny this time i was way quicker to when either of us were feeling that it would just be an immediate Here's the baby. I'm done. I have to walk away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have got to walk away because I'm about to lose mm-hmm. my mind. And I'm. we had such a hard time with her sleeping because mm-hmm. I would assume most babies aren't comfortable in a bassinet that's got like cardboard <clears throat> for <laughs> for the mattress Why? and on their back when they're sleeping. Like yeah. anytime you're holding them, they're sleeping up against your chest. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're supposed to sleep through the night, like yep. flat on their back with Cold. no. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would have her in the bassinet as long as I could. And then it would be like, okay, I'm bringing you yeah. on me because I have I have to sleep. Yeah. I have to sleep. We have to survive this. And I don't know what to say other than I am more worried about what's going to happen to this baby. If I don't sleep. If I don't sleep. Mm-hmm. Than the risk of the baby sleeping with me in the bed. Because I, when I reach a certain level, I don't like the feeling of not trusting myself right and i i gotta step away right. so right now this is my priority yeah but it's still it's hard it's, it's really hard to yeah yeah it, it's interesting too how separate you feel from the baby in those moments too right like they are just a they're not a person anymore they're just a <laughs> just saying that we'll be quiet <laughs> they're not they're well, not even there. I think, no, and they're I not smiling at you. They're not. No. You're not getting anything from them at that age yet. No, yeah. There's no um, like relationship right. yet where they're giving back. Right. I didn't know before I had a baby. I didn't understand what colic was and how extreme it is. And that is a total. It's just a different thing. Like I didn't experience that, and I know that that is. It's just that for anybody who does it, it's what it's just never ending crying. Really, mm-hmm. right? Like there's just mm-hmm. inconsolable mm-hmm. and the extremity of that and only having experienced like i don't even know not very long periods where he's inconsolable and the strain of that mentally i, I can only imagine what mm-hmm. colicky babies are, are well, like was ava ava or penny they were not right or was ava i don't little? remember ava being super difficult but again it was so long ago so i could have just blocked it out penny definitely would have like the witching hour every night for the first you know mm-hmm. three to four months where it would just be like yeah just doesn't matter what we do. She will not stop screaming. Can't get her to fall asleep. But we can tell she's exhausted mm-hmm. and just won't let it go. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy was saying, he was like, it's it's so hard because a baby crying is one of the few things in life that triggers this like response in your brain that's like, just make it stop. Yeah. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. And so living in that headspace for an extended period of time is just... Yeah, extreme. Like, I know that I have felt similar things in those moments, but it goes back to the vast difference from one moment to the to the other. Like whenever you said you feel like disconnected in those moments and I like my eyes got big, but really I have felt that I just like can't access it in this moment because now that I'm not not with him for a couple hours, I'm like, every single thing's perfect and he's perfect. And it's like, it's not, it's not, you know. Yeah, it's like that thing where you're like, frustrated with your kids all day and then as soon as you get in bed mm-hmm. like i'll just look at photos yes. and videos <laughs> Dave and I seems to get more intense like i don't know yeah, it's horrible dave and i'll get like a date night for the first time in months and like the whole time we'll just look at pic- like look right. at pictures and talk about the kids yeah. really hard not to do that but it's so hard it's there's really so many- hard do you want to talk at all about the transition from one kid to two and anything that kind of surprised you in that sense, or, you know, a lot of people talk about like going from one to two is like going from one to 10, like it's so difficult, but maybe because their ages were spaced out well enough, it didn't feel like I, I definitely didn't have two babies. You know, I had a little boy going to pre-K and a little snuggly baby, but it was, I would, I would call it a healing experience to, to have her and, and to feel like I didn't miss out on some of the stuff that I really wanted to mm-hmm. experience with, with a baby. In hindsight, really healing for me too was this, I guess this kind of sounds kind of sad, but it's, it was good for me to see that like her being born wasn't some majestic 
You didn't miss out as much on what you thought yeah. you may have. So that was kind of healing for me, though, just to kind of demyst- really kind of demystify mm-hmm. that golden hour stuff. and the, the, just the, Or the movie, the movie yes, experience. Guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was all just kind of like normalized, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it's normally like. And yeah, some people are really lucky and get to have beautiful natural births or births at home in the water and their husbands, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. And I wanted that, but it wasn't in the cards for us. So, but it did give me some peace going through that again, especially after being so nervous to do it again, Mm -hmm. because we waited four years. Well, actually, we waited three years and then we had a few miscarriages. And that was difficult. We almost gave up. Yeah, this was kind of your last. It was our last last try. Uh huh. And it worked out the last time, obviously, but. That was like another, it was actually another strike against my body. I had a lot of anger at my body for what it did during my labor with Charlie. Felt very betrayed um, Mm -hmm. and also betrayed by all the people who said to trust your body, Mm -hmm. that your body knows what to do. Yeah. Women have been doing this for millions of years. Yeah. Just push the baby out. Rice patties, this and that. Yeah, the baby will come out. No matter what you do, the baby will Mm -hmm, come out. mm -hmm. Like, well, my baby would have come out dead. Like, yeah, it might have come out, but it wasn't going to make it. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a lot of resentment about my body and how it it felt like it failed me. And so some hangups with that and then the miscarriages, hangups with that, you know, that kind of exacerbated that. So and then, Kate was kind of like a healing of a bunch of yeah, a bunch of things. Yeah, I would say so. I feel like there was something else I was going to say about that or another part of the question that I'm forgetting. I was just asking how the adjustment into two mm-hmm. has been. I remember when we were at Lachlan Table mm-hmm. talking about when we were talking about getting this podcast. <laughs> Great desserts. We were talking about getting this podcast going. Because I had just had Penny, and so we were talking about yeah. just the like. Oh right, right, right. Well, yeah. At that point, Charlie was driving me insane, right. <laughs> and he still does. <laughs> they both do now, though. I mean, she's three now, so she's you know terrible threes, insane. Or how it's just hard to go from okay, I'm giving this kid what they need, mm-hmm. and then instead of just being able to be like okay, and I did my duty, and now right. I can take some time for myself. It's like no, I know. Oh, I got to check in on this one too. Yes. All right, or are they always. Someone's always needing something. Being- oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's That just feels like daily life. Yeah. Charlie was really, it, it had nothing to do with having a new sibling that I could tell. It was just like, he's a kid and he also needs things. But when you're giving 100% to a little baby, anyone who's like, can you get me a glass of water? You're just like, oh my God. I will God. kill you. <laughs> oh, how could you even come in here? How dare you? Um. I was putting Penny down for a nap or maybe to bed. And it's like pitch black in there. And I'm I'm like getting her to be quiet. And Ava just walks in and is like, hey, mom, can like in like a whisper that's definitely not whispery enough. And I was just like, what are you doing? doing? What? You cannot come in here ever while I am putting her to sleep (laughs) unless it is a full-blown emergency. I'm sorry if I did not make that clear. If there's a small fire, (laughs) I need you to wait (laughs) until it gets Here's where the fire extinguisher is. (laughs) Figure it out. (laughs) Like the horror anger face uh, that that I don't know if everybody has that, but like this horrified anger yes. face whenever somebody makes a noise when they're sleeping, <laughs> even still. And I'm like, maybe I should tone that down at this point. Like, it's fine. He's when just someone napping. closes a door and just pulls it closed and doesn't turn <gasps> yes. the knob and gently. I'm like, you, every door should be closed in this house as if you are sneaking back into your house or sneaking out of your house when you're a teenager. Yes. And like, if your parents hear a single noise you will get grounded Busted. for the rest of your life yes. that is how we should close put. every yeah. door in this house you just start grounding grounding them i guess people just ground adults ground everybody everyone mm-hmm. you're grounded yeah. with ava we had we had roommates still when she was little and oh my God. everybody just just yeah. every door was just pulled closed and i was just like this is Ow. i can't, I can't <laughs> yeah and it, well yeah and like the the heightened, like the in my body, even yes. I have it now. Oh, yeah. My husband has a studio at the house in the backyard and people coming out to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it rarely happens. And especially during the pandemic was a really pivotal moment of Parker snapping was, mm-hmm. you know, so vital. Yeah. And, no, you know, there weren't too many 
people in and out that didn't know the drill. This is a long story for just the point Please. is people in and out that don't know. And like it's an old house, you have to co- yeah. People the without kids, things. basically, oh, it's yeah, just people yeah. without kids, right? Yeah, I mean, or they a, just don't know, and they you know yeah. they just don't know, or they don't know there's a baby in the house, or they, what? Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I could, <laughs> far, but they, it's Feel but right, they just don't know. They don't know. Yeah, it's like blaring sound machines. You mm-hmm. think it's fine, and probably is fine. But I'm What's just funny is they you know rarely, what? rarely ever happened where they wake up. I know. But the rage is there every time. I don't exactly. think it ever they happened one time that right. they never woke, woke up. Exactly. <laughs> but you're still. Well, but then you. But like, if it did. <laughs> but I swear to God, if it did. Well, <laughs> I'm ready. One time. I've got all this just years <laughs> rage waiting for for it to happen one time. Has that ever happened to anyone? <laughs> yeah. I don't take so. them out. I don't think no so. <laughs> this is just our outlet. We just uncovered a huge. This is a huge. It's never happened once. I'm just mad. I'm just so mad. Well, I mean, you know how like you can step on like one floorboard and the kid wakes oh, yeah. up and it's all, it, but it's always you, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or oh, this happens with Charlie because it's his, always me. Yeah, it is. it's always me. I drop the thing in the sink and anyway, what do you do for yourself? To fill the well, what would you oh, like? What do you do? Thanks. Do you have a thing? Some things. Um. So, um, when I was uh, okay, let me try to keep this short. When I was set recover- the timer. It's <laughs> <laughs> the least important part of all of it, right? Um, when I was trying to recover from Charlie's birth, I did a lot of therapy. I did EMDR. It was really helpful. Yes. Highly Shout recommend. Out. Shout out to EMDR. <laughs> Michelle Foot Pierce at Vanderbilt is fantastic. I also did a mindfulness-based stress reduction course with her yes. at Osher, which I recommend to my patients, friends, family. Um, it was an eight-week course, and it changed my life. Completely reshaped the way that I manage stress and or just really manage my life and see the world in a totally different mm-hmm. way. Taught me a lot about gratefulness too and how healthy it is to actively pursue gratefulness um, actively practice mm-hmm. gratefulness mm-hmm. even when it doesn't feel like a good time just or go there just do it do it anyway uh, so that was really helpful during that recovery time and I feel like I'm always going to be you know on that path of recovering from, from that day and then as a mom just I feel like in general as a mom reclaiming my identity, with going back to work was really important to me. Not that my job is my identity, but it makes me feel like there is more to you, me, mm-hmm. than just being a caregiver, just being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, not that stay-at-home moms don't have an identity. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, it was just an important part of me before, and it's still an important part of me. It's something that makes me feel productive in a different way, use a different side of my brain. And contribute in another way. And then a really big key f- key piece for me in the past few years has been creative outlets. So even just gardening is really nice and meditative for me. I've gotten into pottery the past cool. few years. Mm-hmm. You For like 100 bucks, you can take pottery classes through Centennial Arts Center. I've looked at that. Awesome. It's so cheap. Did it's you like, and Corey do that together? Mm-hmm. We did it once and then I've continued doing it. It's something where I can use my hands. I can, Mm -hmm. there's no stakes. Again, it's a hundred bucks for like a whole semester. So there's no stakes. If, if it's crap, great, like throw it away. Who cares? cares? I just get to make something Mm -hmm. and feel, and also feel the progress, see incremental progress, see myself get better. Learning a new, learning learning a new new task, task, skill. I'm trying to think of a, like a happy, Funny story involving your kids. Uh, uh, let's see. Hmm. Well, something funny. Something good. Does Charlie do anything funny? Oh my gosh! I love the name Charlie. Thank you. It was my grandpa's name. Um, oh. I had a grandpa, Charlie. He was the best. Yeah, Charlie does. Charlie's hilarious. He's really funny. His accents are killing me right now. That. Um, he <laughs> the other night he had an he has an assignment for Halloween of reading for twenty minutes like in different ways. So like over the month of October, every day he has to read for twenty minutes, but like with different 
fun ways of reading. So it'll be like read 20 minutes in your Halloween costume, read under the covers with a flashlight. And so the other one he did the other night was um, read using a vampire voice. Ooh. Fun. And it was the cutest thing. It didn't sound like a vampire. (laughs) It didn't sound like this. (laughs) Wow. That was so loud, too. I'm an actor, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Joy's an actor. Um, how can they? Uh, I've done nothing. Shout out. How can they see some of it in work? my heart? I am an actor. <laughs> You've done things. <laughs> Do you guys know Marcel the Shell? Yes, so, Marcel the Shell with shoes oh, on. Wow. Shoes on. Thank I have you. Not watched that fall. in so long. There's a book. Yeah, and we have the book, and he read that like a vampire in air quotes, <gasps> and um, and his vampire voice sounded like. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, let me see. It was really just kind of British. Let's see if I can do it. I'm trying to remember like a line from the book. Some people say that my head is too big for my body. <laughs> and I say, compared to what? <laughs> I feel like that could take us straight into... Yes, perfect. Pop British. culture corner. Speaking okay. of Since we're British. Oh, thank doing you. British accents. Great British Bake Off. I wish I had the music. We should oh, cue it in. I don't um, know if we can. Five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and go. Okay. Okay. Great British Bake Off. <laughs> this is my first. Started in Britain. <laughs> Oh, the cast. Okay. Cast. The original cast was lightning in a bottle of like cute British people. And um, then they got bought by a new production company. And I think like their third season. So there were four hosts. Two of them were judges and two of them are like hosts. And they are all genuinely interested in the uh, people. Okay. I can't look at anybody and then I'll stay focused. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, and then so the two hosts two of the hosts these two women um, had like too much integrity and didn't go this is what I read okay this is they they had too much integrity and stayed with or they wouldn't go with the new production company so they got bought out by these people and now Noel Fielding who of old Greg fame and um, the guy who plays he plays uh, like a twin in um, Bridesmaids Alice Alice Cooper is what I want to say Alice in Wonderland okay Bridesmaids he's in Bridesmaids he's in uh, he he was in Les Mis for a minute okay this is my minute Um, Alice in Wonderland Tweedledee and Tweedledum (laughs) and Alice in Wonderland he um, he's oh that's not even any of it okay I want 30 more seconds (laughs) said it I'll allow it. Okay, 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 okay. Actually, was, you know what? what? That's mostly. It. I was so not expecting to. Start you know what? I like just need the, five. I need ten seconds to 10 finish. Seconds. Okay. Okay, go. Okay. It's all very structured and routine and comforting. And in this time period, like especially now, and there's bright colors and they all seem to be genuinely caring about the people. And there's something about it that feels like really magic and the space and everything is like consistent. Okay. <laughs> that was great. Mm. I, I, I thought that was great. Thank you. I was not expecting it to be like how the show began. Like there's <laughs> right. some history. I thought, we were, I thought you were going to talk about this specific season, like. This person is my favorite so far, and this person made this horrible. Well, I wanted to talk about that with y'all, so I just thought I would introduce it in case anybody doesn't know. Oh my goodness, what it is! I've just I love my favorite thing about that show is just everyone's just happy to be there. Oh my gosh, they're all why? Why can't our shows be like that? Right, and there's no money. They don't win any money. That cake thing. And like the clout, you know, that, in that glass you're cake right. place. Yeah. What do you mean they don't win anything <laughs> yeah. in that bouquet of flowers? Yes. And the hang with uh, everybody's so funny. How much fun. do you think those would go like on eBay? I bet we could find out. The no ridge? one's going to sell it. No. No way. No, I cried out of their cold, no. dead British fingers. <laughs> um, you Did you remember anybody that you liked from the season? Um, I feel like it takes me. There's so many at the beginning. Yeah. No. And yeah. they spend such little, like, you know, they move around. When it gets right. narrowed, everyone gets more time. Yeah. Do you, you, get, you get to know everybody a little the bit The lady better. who looks like, well, she used to be. It's not Mary Berry. Can we talk about looks, the opening? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the one that looks like proof. Oh, my gosh. True. <laughs> thank you. Um, the I, opening of this season. Which one was this? Oh, was it there, um, Billy Ray Cyrus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> you know what my biggest regret about that was? Was that everyone was streaming that at different times. And I really wished that we could have all, as a as a Watched world. It as a collective. Yeah, yeah. I really wish we could have all seen that ridiculous, <laughs> don't break my tart. My oh. <laughs> achy, what is it? My achy, flaky. Tart. My, no, oh, my flaky. flaky Bakey tart, cakey tart. 
that we all couldn't have seen that at the same time. And like, because I, I watched it by myself. Dave wasn't even home. So I was just like looking around my room like, <laughs> is anyone else seeing this? That would have brought I, us all together. And that's I? the healing that we need. <laughs> <laughs> what is um, happening? I, I feel like it is a salve to the soul. It is like what chicken soup for the mm-hmm. soul should have been mm-hmm. instead of making us read those stupid books <gasps> as a kid. Should have cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our listeners may be offended, yeah. but some I... of the topics we cover in in, um, in this week's episode might be sensitive to some listeners. So, listener discretion is advised. <laughs> we might be bad mouthing. <laughs> Alexis, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and being vulnerable. Yes. And yeah, I don't know if we said this earlier, but. Alexis was a key component in making this podcast get to where it is. She helped bridge some gaps in in getting the process up and going. So I definitely appreciate you for that. Yes, thank you. I love you. I love you too. I love you, Sarah. And I and I you. Kind of. <laughs> we don't know We're each other there. as well. We're getting there. Uh, <laughs> we will I'm love each other. Falling in love with you. <laughs> I'm like 65% there. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Pretty good.